Hello and welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Dr Virginia Reid and today we're going to be discussing the effects of climate change on our health with Dr John van der Kallen from Doctors for the Environment Australia. Welcome John. Hi, how are you? So John, Doctors for the Environment, can you tell me a little bit about them and how they began and what they're function is? So Doctors for the Environment, they are an Australia-wide organisation, a non-profit organisation made up of doctors um, and medical students. Uh, They've been around since the early 2000s um, and the main theme of the organisation is to protect human health from the harms from the environment. From the changing environment? Yeah, or well, all sorts of environmental mm-hmm. issues. So okay. um, they've had Senate uh, um, submissions regarding coal seam gas, for instance. As a current. Yeah, that's right. right. So, I mean, concern. that's been a debate that's been going on for quite a while. Um, right. And so there are clear health risks associated with coal seam gas. Yes. And uh, these have been highlighted in submissions from DEA to Senate committees, uh, mm. other um, development applications, etc. Mm. So I think you were saying before that people that were actually um, interested in, um, you know, smoking, its effects on health. So, you know, the science regarding the um, health effects of smoking have been around for ages. And in fact, it was 1951 that in the British Medical Journal that they first published an article regarding smoking causing uh, lung cancer. Um, yet it's yeah, taken so long. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the uh, health minister in 1968 uh, still didn't accept the link. Mm. Um, mm. So and obviously, students. you can still buy cigarettes. You know, yeah. um, and clearly, the the health impacts are significant. There's mm. an awful lot less people smoking in the world, though. Oh yeah. Well, in Australia in particular. In yeah. Australia in particular, we've done yeah. awfully well. Yes. Yeah. No. True. So, what were the main sort of issues raised by Doctors for the Environment as, as things... I mean, it's a huge area mm. and there are a lot of climate sceptics, obviously, mm. still climate change mm. sceptics mm. in the world. Yes, true. Um, so I guess one of the arms is education. So the focus uh, currently for Doctors for the Environment is really the health effects of climate change uh, because clearly this is going to be the biggest impact on our health this century um, and it's already causing lots of uh, difficulties for us. And we see it now in our medical practices that um, health uh, is affected by climate change. So um, the most acute events that we see are related to heat wave events. Uh, people become dehydrated. There's increased um, admissions to hospital. Uh, and in fact, of all the environmental impacts on health that cause death, it's heat uh, wave effects that cause death. And this is more than um, bushfires, for instance, and flooding. Therefore, when you say we're seeing it now, are we seeing that sort of thing happening in... I mean, I, I work out back, so of course I see it. And mm. Tourists don't really understand quite how hot it can get here. And I've noticed with climate change, we are mm. getting some very hot days and it doesn't mm. take long mm. for mm. people to be affected by mm. the heat. Mm. Are we noticing that, though, in other groups in cities elderly, frail? Probably the best data comes from overseas. So when they had that massive heat wave in Europe, many people were living in upstairs apartments and were becoming very isolated. It was too hot to go out. You know, they were... Uh, weren't getting support uh, uh, in their apartments, um, right. and um, and those people 
were uh, affected quite significantly. That can clearly happen in urban areas as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think we always think about it as the outback and, and yeah. in the bush and, you know, Heat the drought exhaustion. and those pictures yeah. of, you know, um, barren landscapes, yeah. et cetera, dried up uh, riverbeds. Right, know. but the majority of deaths are occurring in urban environments. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Well, that's what happened in Europe. So there was the this intensity. big uh, one in, in, yeah, that's mm. right. And particularly in places that aren't used to the heat, so such as Europe and mm. Russia, because they also had a massive uh, heat wave event there that mm. caused many deaths. Um, you know, those countries that aren't really used to the heat uh, mm. really suffer. Mm. You know, mm. they really suffer. Uh, in some ways where we are adapted to the heat because we have always been quite a hot country. We understand it. But I suppose the bushfires really are unadaptable to by the looks of things. Yeah, so um, again, the bushfire risk is um, significant, but um, I think lots of resources have gone into that climate event, you could say. Right, Um, so we're spending a lot of money on bushfire plans. Yes, and I think after those terrible fires in Victoria that Mm. they've uh, really uh, made significant changes to um, uh, identifying fire and uh, managing risk of rela- around those fire events. But of course, as you say, there's a cost to all of that. Yeah, well, so again, with the Victorian bushfires, twice as many people died in the lead up to the fires than from the fires themselves, and that was related to the heat um, uh, and, the, and the health consequences of that. Right. Mm. So there was data that came out of Brisbane, actually, that showed that in uh, heatwave events that there was an increased risk of uh, myocardial infarcts uh, in, the, in, the, in the lead up mm. uh, to the heatwave event and the day afterwards. You know? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I guess right. you'd expect that because it's again dehydration, stress. Probably, yeah, that's right. right. So it's a bit hard to know exactly what the mechanism is, but presumably right. that's what it is. Yep. And presumably it's those maybe already who have heart disease, etc., who are reasonably well managed with you know fluid tablets, diuretics, blood pressure, mm. where you know during those events that that becomes destabilised. Yes, because you really wouldn't want your patients to be taking their diuretics and things, perhaps if it's mm. hot. But we don't have a lot of data right. out there because we're still. Yeah, grappling with right. not really believing that it's going to happen. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Although, you know, for, uh, to give them credit, New South Wales Health have, and Victorian Health have been uh, good. I mean, on their websites, there are data sheets available about what to do okay. in, a, in a heat wave event. You know? Okay, so Stay there cool. is acknowledgement. And how long have those been there? Oh, I don't know, but right. I certainly accessed them last year. So mm-hmm. they've been there for a, for a while. Right, mm. right. And it's things about staying dehydrated, um, staying in touch with people so that they know that you're safe, Um, you know, thinking about your neighbours maybe, Um, you know, staying uh, uh, in air conditioning. So we are noticing that there are references for people. Mm. Yeah, that's right. In in events and that's part Mm. of that adaptation that we're looking Mm. for as doctors to protect our patients. Yes, that's right, that's right. And and there's quite a lot of resources about adaptation developing, you know, so this is uh, on the health website, uh, but there's also in the New South Wales Government um, Office for Environment and Heritage, um, and they've, they have a, an Adapt New South Wales website where they show the changes that are expected over the next uh, 10, 20, 30 years uh, with the environment in each particular region of Australia. Um, so that's very useful, not just from the health perspective, but also... So from, um, you know, building, from um, agriculture, um, from um, uh, other uh, issues related for people who live in those areas. Right. So the government is actually doing things Mm. to mitigate and adapt to 
the circumstances, mm. but it's difficult for the politicians, I suppose, to admit to mm. climate change or, or mm. to make it sort of part of their... Well, we, we certainly haven't seen a lot of policy statements from Liberal Labor parties, at mm. least, about Yeah, I think change. when you look at the planning department and councils and what that they have in place mm. for the future, I mean, clearly they recognise that climate change is occurring and clearly they recognise that um, sea levels will rise and clearly they recognise that there are going to be more um, weather events um, and a lot of planning um, it goes on around that expectation. My mother-in-law reminded me that in 1974, when that big storm previously hit, people were told not to build in that area. Mm, mm, and mm. we're seeing that come to fruition, that, yes, that, which that's is really, right. really sad. That's right. um, so people are saying, you know, we've always had these storms. So, so what does climate change say about those storms? Mm. So... Um, so the United Nations has a, a, a database where they've been collecting data on um, the number of uh, storms, flooding, uh, heat wave events. Um, uh, the data that I've seen goes back to 1980. So um, uh, for those who are not aware of the changes in temperature, um, since 1980, uh, the, the average temperature has been higher every year um, compared to the, the previous average for, that, for the century. So um, if you say from uh, last century, the average temperature, which I can't remember exactly what the number one is, no. but if you were born after 1978, then you've never lived in a year that has been below the average temperature for the whole world. So the, so the world is definitely getting hotter. Yes. So in that same period of time, they've looked at the number of uh, storm events, flooding, heat waves, um, and the numbers are rising. Right. Um, and not just slowly. So it's getting slowly. hotter, but so it's clearly, the storms, are they becoming more intense, do we think, more frequent? So, again, there's, uh, it can be difficult to put all of those numbers into one mm. But uh, but I clearly think that's part those, of the problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Nature magazine published an article last year saying that on statistics, uh, about eighty percent of the events that are happening are due to climate change. So you've always had the big storms, you've yes. always had those events, Bushfires, but heat waves. that's right. But yeah. the but there's an eighty percent um, uh, increase of of these. So um, so hence a storm like we've just had that went from Queensland down the coast of New South. Wales, Victoria yes. to Tasmania is reasonably unprecedented. Mm. You know, even that 1974 one wasn't to the same intensity. Or extent mm. of damage. That's right. And also they talk about the um, the direction of these storms coming being uh, different to what they would normally expect. Mm. So a lot of the beaches, etc., uh, have developed over centuries, obviously, mm. um, and they're relatively protected from storms coming from the southeast. But this one came down from the north, and uh, a lot of the beaches aren't protected from storms in that direction. Mm. So this is probably why uh, at Coogee, you know, the surf mm. club at Coogee was affected mm. where it hadn't been affected previously. Well, Collaroy lost something for 400 metres of beach. Or co- yeah, well, yeah, I think huge. that's been retreating so for a while at Collaroy. Yeah, that's right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. You're listening to Wellbeing, and we're discussing the effects of climate change on health with Dr Van der Callen of the Doctors for the Environment Australia. So John, when we talk about the um, storms etc and the effect they have, I mean when you talked about the extent of that last storm I thought about, I work in an emergency service 
we just get totally overwhelmed. Mm. So we do have disaster management plans. We don't get to practice them an awful lot, although we've been practicing them a lot, well, actually using them a lot more than we ever have in the past and getting a lot more warning, etc., which is wonderful Mm. in Mm. one way. Mm. But in another way, I'm wondering if that just, we all just start to accept that that's Mm. okay. It's Mm. a bit like... We have in medicine a framework where we have good emergency services, yes, but we hope to be able on a continuous basis to look after people and prevent them getting into that critical care stage. And then our greatest goal is to actually prevent them ever becoming that unwell until their natural, timely Mm. old age, Mm. you know, Mm. in a healthy Mm. old age. Mm. Mm. So looking at, you know... The acute phase, you'd have to say those disaster plans and the fire, bushfire planning and things, they don't go without their cost, I must mm. say, mm. absolutely, mm. aren't wonderful. But what are we doing about the day-to-day effect of climate change on people? Say, for example, what comes to mind is arboviruses, so mosquito-borne mm. illness, mm. that sort mm. of thing. Are there any measures in place for mitigating against the day-to-day sort of effects this might have on us? Well, so the mitigation of these uh, events is very complicated <laughs> and really comes back to trying to reduce the um, carbon emissions, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's really our only way of mitigating I these I would see events. that probably as more as preventive health. I guess what I'm getting at is, is there more malaria in the world? Is there more, um, you know, from the warming, well, what do we notice yeah. in terms of tropical diseases is what comes yeah, to sure. mind. So in Australia, it probably hasn't had a huge impact as yet. Right. Um, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe it won't so much. It's difficult to ascertain that. So we don't have more dengue and it's not spreading? Um not from the numbers that I've seen because there's right. only been relatively few cases in Australia compared to the rest of the world. Um, but the rest of the but the rest of the world there is um, you know um, chikungunya virus yes, right. uh, which has clearly been spreading um, over the last decade. Um, there's Zika virus, which has also been in the yes. media lately, um, and that's one that's spreading quite a lot. Um, um, Ross River and dengue um, and certainly out in the northern parts of Australia. Ross River seems to be coming further mm. and further south. Mm. I mean, people are reporting it mm. in Sydney, which yes, you know, right. we've not really seen that. That's right, and um, and you know, in the last month, I've had a patient who has had an acute uh, episode of Ross River, mm. and really, I wouldn't have thought this time of year was really when I would have been no. expecting it. You know, but there have been mosquitoes. There have yeah. been, and they also apparently can uh, go a lot further south now as well. Mm. The mosquitoes, so that they're sort of becoming uh, adapted to that. Mm. Yeah. So that's one um, example. But there's other bacterial infections as well. So one in the northern part of Australia is milioidosis, mm. which is quite a serious mm. infection, you know, and they um, have been able to detect that in waterways and things in the Northern Territory. Mm. Um, 
you know, there's uh, clearly deaths related to that. Mm, um, definitely. And yeah. we're seeing it more in the centre than we did before. We used to see it more mm. up north and with the wet mm. associated with the wet and things, but we're getting wet mm. sort of a lot more than we ever ever used to. So those flooding events can be quite mm. significant in terms of contamination. That's right. They? And with the mosquito-borne viruses, it's difficult because you can have the periods of dry where people are get, collecting water and keeping them in um, in stagnant areas which yeah. will then allow the mosquitoes to, to breed yes. uh, but then also when it floods and everything becomes completely drenched yes. then also that encourages the mosquitoes mm. so that was clearly related to one of the outbreaks of Zika virus in Africa right. uh, was related to one uh, to an event like that yeah, yeah so one of our mainstays is is good sewerage good water is yeah, one of the absolute right. mainstays mm. Of, mm. of good health mm. and unfortunately during those flooding events mm. I should imagine it gets all a bit sort of pretty mixed yeah, up that's right and when you do <laughs> look at the politely. impacts of yeah <laughs> turbid Yes, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but yeah, when you look at the impacts on health of the uh, on the population, I mean, being a wealthy country, the impacts on us are going to be relatively less than compared to the poorer countries in mm. the world, um, which raises a great debate about uh, you know that the cause of climate change and um, and increasing particle emissions has been the wealthy countries, yet it's the poorer countries that mm. are going to bear the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our responsibility. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So historically, if you look at the the, the emitters since um, you know mid eighteen hundreds, it's really been the wealthy countries. You know, it's been Europe and America and um, uh, Australia uh, that has really put most of the carbon into the atmosphere. Right. Um, uh, and so, you know, we have a responsibility to try and do something about that. Well, particularly if we don't want the huge refugee crises that we are seeing mm. as, a, as a result of mm. these sorts of events mm. as well as war. We forget about them because yeah. the war side of things is really... Mm. However, I wonder how much, you know, wars are created too by poverty and... Well, this is one of the um, unknowns, and and certainly from a military perspective, we did we had a talk from one of the previous military advisors to the Australian government, and they are, are concerned about this. Mm. You know? I mean, we spoke before about how the government is and councils are making plans about rising sea levels, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a military perspective, they are also are taking into account the the changes of climate change, mm-hmm. and you know the poorer people are going to be the ones most affected. And one mm-hmm. of those areas is Southeast Asia. Right. And if you look also currently, there's uh, droughts going on in um, India, where mm-hmm. there's you know 300 mm-hmm. million people are being affected by a drought, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. in um, uh, Cambodia. Cambodia and um, and Laos mm. uh, and the you know the rivers that feed uh, water to those populations come from other countries. Mm. Uh, so this is a potential for conflict because if they're <laughs> going to be short of water right. and the and other countries are, uh, are damming the rivers and yes. collecting it, the well. Isn't what do it you funny do? how these ancient problems mm. with how close you live to the mouth of the river? That one's never really gone away. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. when you look at it from the viewpoint of those that should be responsible to, 
you know, manage the, the earth in general. So things are becoming mm. more global mm. Uh, mm. as a result of climate change. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a global issue. Yeah, definitely. It's not just a local and issue. So I suppose, it does affect individuals. Yes, yes, that's right, exactly. The, so, you know, when you talk about trying to mitigate against these effects, it's definitely got to occur at a global level, but it's also got to occur at an individual sort of level. Yes. Um, and it's going to take intervention at all of those uh, uh, levels to make a change. Be the change you want to, mm, want to see. Mm. Absolutely. So they're the sort of, I guess, primary care um, issues that we may come across. The big one is prevention. Mm, mm. And they, therein lies the, That's well, it's right. not just a $6 million question, That's that one. Right. It's a multi-billionaire multi type That's right. That's uh, right. question. But there's lots of positive things happening. I mean, it's just a matter of having some systems in place to allow those things to really flourish. You know? mm. So um, many countries around the world uh, are putting in big effort to, to mitigate the effects of climate change. Um, and in many ways, we're holding back a little bit compared to the rest of the world. Compared to the rest of the world. Mm. You're listening to Wellbeing and we're discussing climate change and its effect on health with Dr John van der Kellen here on Wellbeing. So we were discussing the uh, short-term effects, the long-term effects, and now we need to, I think, <laughs> the elephant in the room is what are we going to do as a country in the global context about? Perhaps if we could give some examples from other countries and that might give us some perspective mm, on mm. where we're at compared to the rest of the world. Mm. So um, I think the Paris Agreement last year was... Well, groundbreaking and certainly brought into um, under one umbrella all the countries of the world to try and make a, a difference with this um, and I think we alluded before to the you know the different responsibility to why it's all uh, happened in the first place and um, but then you know the big emitters in the world are still china are now i should say china uh, and and america so um, to sort of mitigate those uh, changes of climate change has got to be a, a variable response uh, around the world mm. so clearly those who are big emitters need to sort of make the biggest efforts mm -hmm. um, but everybody needs to really make an effort to try and get their emissions well but to zero or below really mm, mm. and there's organizations like beyond zero emissions which is a you know worldwide um organization which uh, uh aims to get us to that point you know so right. it's feasible you know okay so um, there is a plan Mm. that would get us beyond zero. That's right, yeah. And it seems like pie-in-the-sky type uh, yes. st issues. you always but, need them. Yeah. No. They give you perspective. But it's really feasible, you know, and right. the uh, um, economists say it's feasible. Um, right. You know, the engineers say it's feasible. Um, and, you know, the doctors are saying, well, it's ne necessary. <laughs> yes. You know, um, and in many ways well, it's that's, the political... Well, that's the gold standard of preventive health in this mm. particular um, concern the effect of climate change on health. Mm, yeah, Just that's like, right. You know, everybody giving big... up smoking would be the gold standard yeah, in terms yeah. of preventing Yes, medicine. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, or you would just not really be able to buy cigarettes at all. Yeah, they <laughs> do exist. Uh, yeah, oh, that's right. Would do something. <laughs> <laughs> they find something else. So interestingly, last year, I think it was, there was a group of citizens in Holland that actually took their government to court because they, got, they told the government that they weren't 
doing enough to mitigate against the changes, uh, uh, the effects of climate change on their population. And they did it almost, well, it sounds like reading between the lines, a little bit of a, a stunt to try and raise the whole profile yeah. of it. But in fact, they won the case. Oh, really? Against their own government. Yes. Okay, so that must mean that within their legal system there is a provision for citizens to raise issues of... of yes, that's right. So they do have a different uh, system. They don't have a Westminster well, system as we have. Well, you don't know. Nobody's tested uh, ours, presumably. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, I but think yes, they do have a different legal system, mm. but there may be the same thing in the Westminster system. It's just we haven't tried just, it out. Yeah, that's, yeah, well, and I think people are thinking about it. Right. <laughs> um, but it's quite interesting that... Um, and at the time, Holland's uh, goals to reduce emissions was one of the lowest in Europe. Right. Despite already, you know, having lots of cyclists and all, etc., cetera, yes. etc. Cetera. Um, but just recently in the media, and this has gone through the lower parliament, I think, in Holland, um, is a, a plan to um, ban the sale of all petrol and diesel cars after 2025. Amazing. Amazing. Wow, that's almost like the beyond zero, uh, I would imagine. Exactly, um, yeah. I know. So it all has to be electric cars, I suppose, or no cars, etc. Okay, you so know? you could actually be charged for driving a petrol car or a diesel car. <laughs> well, I, they, they just won't sell any um, new ones after that. So I okay. presume there'll be okay. a, a period where you'll be able to use uh, your car <laughs> until cost otherwise. It'll a lot to get a service. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, otherwise you'd have to have a bow, uh, at the border, maybe if you're yes. driving from Germany to Holland, you'd have to step out uh, yeah. of your uh, normally aspirated car and get into an electric car. Or I don't know. I mean, yes. these are all the these are all the practicalities. Yes. Um, but one of the practicalities, it seems, is you know changing from you know the industry from building mm. uh, cars that are normally aspirated to electric. You know. Mm, mm. Um, but they're always talking about the car industry needing a bit of a boost and a bit of a sort of a. Mm. So well, this is right, and um, and I, mean, I think the new that thing is Tesla, isn't it? And that whole yeah, concept, and yes. that's that's already up and running. Yes, that's right. Yep. So that's yeah. right. So um, you know, we talk about uh, power generation and electricity, and really, in the future, we're going to need more electricity than we've got now, mm. um, and that's not a bad thing. Mm. It's a good thing, uh, but it's just got to come from sources that are, are renewable and aren't going to uh, damage our mm -hmm. environment and our health. Mm. You're listening to Wellbeing and we're discussing the effects of climate change and what we as people can do about it, what we would hope that governments in our own country would be doing about it and also what the global network or, or group of scientists. It's a huge discussion and we hope that you've enjoyed trying to air some of the issues and from it you can gain some knowledge about how you personally and also your friends create some discussions. Mm, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> talk about it with people. Talk it's about good. it. I mean, there's a lot Get of really good there. health opportunities uh, mm. to if you want to mitigate against uh, climate change, you know, for the mm. individual. Mm. Even that example with riding, you know, walking up the street to get the mm. newspaper mm. rather than just that short car journey, you know, yeah. it's a, it's, it Break it down in into many. doable bits. That's right. Just do bits and pieces, you know, changing yeah. your electricity provider, you know, with no real change of cost, but make a big impact on the environment, you know. Yeah. Um, superannuation, you know, changing your investments so that they are better for the environment rather than um, detrimental, mm. you know, and yet again, probably with no real loss of income. 
mm. you know, or, mm. or long-term um, um, wealth. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's all of those things. And, Absolutely. And I think they are easy to do, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't know, yeah, I mean, if do what you can do, I mm. suppose, mm. is another, and you'll mm. know what that is for you as an individual, but... Mm. Uh, if you've got that philosophy that that is what you want to do, then generally speaking, humans will find a way. Mm. <laughs> the human will. It's, good, it's a wonderful right. thing. Yes, yes, that's right. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're remarkable humans. <laughs> Absolutely. Humans are remarkable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for the discussion. And if you'd like reference to any of those uh, websites, either you can look on the website for Doctors for the Environment Australia or on our website, 2NURFM.com, and we'll attempt to put up some resources that would help you to, if you choose, uh, make the shift or if you're already shifting, uh, help to empower you to have the discussions and, and feel like you're doing the right thing. <laughs> so from all of us here at 2NURFM, we'd like to say we wish you well. <laughs>